the third installment of our Blue in 22 series, Midterms Explained, here at Manny's. We're back in the disco office. You all have come to know and love. My name is Precious Green. I'm the director of programming here at uh, Manny's, and I'm very honored and so excited because today's Battleground State, the key Battleground State for 2022, is my home state, Georgia. And so I have the honor, the pleasure, and the treat of talking to Congresswoman Nakima Williams, who is the chairwoman of the Georgia State Democratic Party. So we are going to dive right in. Um, You all know how we do this. Afterwards, you will get the documents summarizing everything we've covered, as well as links and information on how each of you can get involved. And I would love to see each of you, you, Susan, I see you, sending that out to all your friends, your contacts. We got to keep Georgia blue. Y'all know this is a serious matter. So let's dive in. How are you doing today, Representative Williams? I'm I'm good, Precious. I'm glad that you said this is the third installment because Donald Trump lost Georgia three times. So it's kind of fitting that I'm the third installment for this conversation today. I'm happy to be here with y'all. Excellent. Excellent. So let's just dive in. Let's start off. Tell us a little bit about, you know, the state of the land of Georgia. Now, of course, um, nationally, Georgia turned blue in 2020. How did that happen? And do you think we can replicate that this year? So not only do I think we can replicate it, Precious, I know that we will, because what happened in 2020 and 2021, because, you know, we have those little runoffs that were the biggest kept secret in town. (laughs) So it wasn't a fluke. If you look at the trajectory of Georgia and what we've been able to do over the years, we this didn't happen overnight. We looked at the election results in 2016 when I was weeping with the rest of the country. But y'all, we picked up state legislative seats in Georgia. We increased our turnout here and we increased our number of Democrats in the state house and the state Senate. And then in 2020, in 2018, we had Stacey Abrams running for governor and we all saw what was possible when people believe that they could win, they show up, they engage, And y'all, we came so close. And I know that there are a lot of other antics that play shenanigans dealing with the the vote counting and whose votes got to count. But we took that and we learned from it. And we moved forward in 2020 when also in 2020, it was not. When you look at the congressional races across the country, we had state after state that was losing congressional seats. So we got down to our slimmest majority ever in the U.S. Congress. But Georgia, Georgia was the only red to blue flip in the country with Georgia's 7th Congressional District. So not only do I think that it's possible, I know that with the multiracial coalitions that we've built in Georgia, with we were the only state party in the country to have a full-time voter protection program. And so we've continued to build upon that. Our turnout game, we're not leaving any votes for chance. We have like we have the largest youth turnout in the country in Georgia. And so we see what they've tried to do after the fact. We play it by the rules. We found a way to win. And now they've tried to change the rules, but we're still fighting pressures. And so I'm confident in what we're going to be able to do this November. 
Okay, that is so incredible to hear because I think a lot of the story is, oh, people are getting tired, they're taking a break, but it sounds like, you know, the fight is just continuing the strategy, the planning. That is amazing. Precious, these are the same people who told me that we would not win Georgia for Joe Biden and we delivered 16 electoral college votes for Joe Biden. They told us there's, okay, well, maybe you won the presidential because you know that's the presidential, but Democrats don't turn back out to vote in a runoff. And okay, then it started looking a little close. So everybody believed in us, but they were like, you might win one, but you definitely won't win two. And so I tell them in the words of Nelson Mandela, it always seems impossible until it's done and we got it done. Nice. And they stay mad. I love to see it. Okay. (laughs) All right. So Senator Warnock faces another important election right after the crazy race he had to run in 2020 and 2021. What kind of race is he facing this year? So this is, I mean, we we have our work cut out for us. And so it's going to take all hands on deck. It's going to take us digging in. But what we know is that Senator Warnock got to the United States Senate and he started delivering for the people. So when we look at things like the American Rescue Plan and the bipartisan infrastructure law, that is a once in a generation investment in creating good union jobs and making sure that we are addressing our crumbling roads and bridges. We have parts of Georgia where people still don't have access to high-speed internet, Wi-Fi, in the midst of a global pandemic. And so those are the things that we've delivered for the people. And so we can go back. And while people are out there trying to decide what road or tactic they want to use to run against him, he's serving, he's delivering, and he's making sure that he shows them what Democrats are about, and that's working for the people. And so we have a lot of Republicans who've stepped up and have entered themselves in the race to run, but not one Republican voted for the American Rescue Plan in Congress. Not one. And we know that that got shots in arms and it got people back to work and our children back to school. And so we don't have a more stark contrast than it is between Senator Warnock and any Republican challenger on the other side. So we're going to make sure that we continue to paint that contrast and elevate that so that voters know exactly what the options are this November. I'm just so excited to know that the message is going to be the work. The work. As opposed to, I was a football star back when y'all were toddlers. We're not going to talk about that. Moving on, let's talk about the gubernatorial race. So... Kemp is back up again. Stacy is in this battle. So what are your thoughts, your impressions overall? We've got Republican infighting. We've got the former president trying to act a fool. What's happening? What do we need to know? So Precious, Kemp um, is back up for re-election. And I don't even know if he'll be our opponent in November because his own party is coming after him. And yep, that's the perfect time to sip tea on that one because he, I mean, his own party is not supporting him at this point. So I don't know who our Republican opponent will be, but what I do know is that Brian Kim has continuously failed our state at every opportunity. He's continued to fail our state from the failure to expand Medicaid. We still have people almost a half million people in the state of Georgia that don't have that are too poor to get a subsidy from the from Obamacare. So we 
we're like, why are we still talking about Obamacare and like the, the politics behind it this many years later? It's because states like Georgia, there are 12 states in the country that never expanded Medicaid. And so we are still fighting to get them the care that they need. And this was money that was left on the table. And I hope that y'all are able to utilize it in the Bay Area because we certainly didn't get it to help our people in Georgia that are in need and in need of care. So, and that combined with the way he's mismanaged the COVID-19 pandemic, I mean, he's shown us time and time again that he will always put politics before the people of the state. And when people show you who they are, we should believe them the first time. And he's shown us exactly who he, who, who he is. And we know that Georgia deserves a governor, a Democratic governor, who will care about the people, help us to expand Medicaid, and fight for working Georgians every day, not their donors and not their special interest. Preach. I'm like, I need a moment. So this question is coming up and I, I'm gonna be repeating it. What can those of us who are not in Georgia do to support the work in the gubernatorial race and beyond? Super quick things. So, I mean, we can drop this in the chat box. I think I have someone on my team on here, but we are we're in the fight of our life here. And so we have some seats after redistricting that have been made more Republican. So we are engaged in, um, we have to fight these things in Congress, in the courts, and on the streets. So drop our link, Rebecca. We need all of the resources that we can get to help the state party stay afloat. We are the constant outside of the candidates. I can say some things in a little spicier way than our candidates can. And I'm happy to do that to make sure that we're getting our message out and reaching every corner of this state. But we are continuing to volunteer. We have volunteer apparatuses across the state for people who have extra time that need to that have a, a want to join us in Georgia on the ground or virtually. And we have we need your time, talent and your resources. Elections are expensive, y'all. And we have the entire country helping us in January. We're not going to have everybody focused on just our state this November. So the earlier we get started, the earlier we invest and expand our teams on the ground, the better. Excellent. All right. So you transitioned beautifully. Thank you so much. Let's talk about that new map that the Republicans drew that is sketch, to say the least. So it was passed in a Republican-dominated legislature, signed into law by Kemp. So tell us a little bit about what has the fight been like against this blatant gerrymandering there? So Brian Kemp, delayed, delayed, delayed as long as possible before he signed these gerrymandered, gerrymandered districts into law. And so we were looking at New Year's Day, him signing the maps into law so that he could delay an eventual court battle and hopefully get to the point where no judge would intervene. But what we just saw yesterday in Alabama, of all places, that Alabama maps were enjoined by federal by federal judge because of the way that they've diluted the black voting power. And the same thing has happened here in Georgia. What they did in a district that was once held by Newt Gingrich, where we had Congresswoman Lucy McBath in Georgia's 6th Congressional District, she was able to flip that seat in a Trump election year. She was able to make sure that that seat turned blue. And then what we have seen now is they've made that an R plus 20 seat. 
So they have gerrymandered her district. They've gerrymandered them into a majority in Congress in a state that is clearly 50-50. We have two Democratic senators, and we were a battleground state for the November presidential elections, but they have made it so that in our 14 congressional seats, we'll only have five Democrats. But they don't get the final say in this. We are waiting now to, we're keeping Democrats engaged first at every step of this process. We had advocates showing up at the state Capitol, voicing their concerns, and we presented a fair map that showed exactly what a fair map would look like with half Democratic, half Republican seats, because we are truly a 50-50 state, but they had no interest in even considering our maps and they forced their maps through. They rushed them through in the legislature. And so now we are waiting to see what the courts have to say about this. Oh man, okay, so that's a lot to absorb. So let's, we were trying, in our research, we were trying to see like, what are the competitive or flippable districts in this new map? Do you see any that are potentially flippable, even with this gerrymandering that's taken place? So what they've done, Precious, is even Democratic strongholds like Georgia's second congressional district with Representative Sanford Bishop down in Southwest Georgia, that is now a potential pickup seat for Republicans. You're so kidding. we know that everything is on the table and we have to make sure that we are fighting at every angle. Our, they can't gerrymander our statewide elected officials. So we're going to be working on turnout that will impact us all across the state. But we have to take these lines serious that they've drawn because I don't know how long a court battle will take or if a judge will intervene. But what we do know is that right now they have drawn us into the majority minority for the next generation in Georgia. For another decade, they have gerrymandered us into a minority and for our congressional seats. Wow. Okay, so plenty of work to do. We still have the courts uh, to speak up and see what they say and push regardless. Let's turn now to talking about the state legislature, So, which is the source of so much of this mess. Currently, the Republicans have majorities in both the in the under the Gold Dome. For those of you who don't know, that's what we refer to um, Georgia's state capitol. So they've got majorities in the state Senate and House. From a bird's eye view, Democrats just need to flip seven Senate seats and seven state House seats. And that seems possible. Do how are you feeling about that? Is it realistic or is that wishful thinking? And if so, what do we need to do to make that happen? So our goal is always to flip as many congressional or as many state house, state senate seats as possible to turn them blue. In 2020, we were the only state in the country that flipped both a state house seat and a state senate seat. So winning down ballot races has always been a priority for us. And we know that our voters are still engaged because we see what we were able to do in the municipal elections just this past fall. We were able to um, to flip over 40 municipal seats statewide here in Georgia this past November. So while they have tried their best to gerrymander us out of existence or out of the ability to get to a majority, we know that we are the momentum is on our side. Our voters are engaged. Our voters, our voters are active, 
And we are doing everything that we can to turn voters back out. And that includes making sure that we're protecting the vote because, you know, Georgia has been the poster child for things that are good and bad when it comes to our democracy. So we have work to do. Definitely. Are there particular races on the state level or parts of the state that you are really focusing on or that those of us who are out of Georgia should focus on? So Precious, I would love to say that we have the luxury to just focus on specific races, but we are focused on every single race. A priority for us is making sure that we fill the Democratic candidate in every race, even the ones that Democrats have not historically been competitive in, because if you don't if you don't um, play, then you can't win. So we have to make sure that we have candidates in all of these seats. And we saw how impactful that was in the last election cycle when we have the largest field of Democratic candidates since Reconstruction. So we have come a long way here in Georgia, and we're going to make sure that Georgians have a choice in who they choose as their candidates. So right now, everything is on the table. Our candidate qualifying is not until March. So we still have some time to continue to recruit. So if you know some people in Georgia who are thinking about running for office and they're good Democrats and believe in the values of representing everyone and working families across the state, then please send them our way. We want to get them on the ballot, no matter what part of the state they live in. Excellent. And what would democratic control of the gold dome mean for the state of Georgia? Precious, that would be life-changing, literally. It would mean health care for a half million Georgians. Because what happened in Georgia is after the Medicaid expansion piece in the Affordable Care Act, our legislature, they thought that we might have a chance to win the governorship. So they move control of who can create, who can get Medicaid expansion in place to the state legislature. So it's not even in the hands of the governor at this point. So literally, it would be life changing for a half million more Georgians getting health care. It will mean more economic opportunity, greater investments in our state education system instead of arguing about um, are we going to actually teach facts in our schools or not? then that means we can actually send our children to school and get a good public education. And that is near and dear to my heart. I have a six-year-old son who's in first grade. And so every day I look at the things that I'm fighting for and the impact that they'll have on his future. So right now, under Republican leadership, Georgia is ranked in the bottom 10 of the best states to raise a family. The bottom 10. Oh. Right. I feel like I'm recreating a meme right now in reaction to that. Are you kidding? I mean, and we're also 46 precious in health and safety, 39th in education and child care, 46 in the infant mortality rate. And we were dead last for that. Georgia was the worst place for pregnant women in the country. Our infant mortality, our maternal mortality rates mirror those of third world countries. So we know that we need new leadership in the state, and we're going to get that done in November. Clearly, clearly. I'm just gobsmacked because it, it, it doesn't make sense. It just doesn't make sense. So here we get to talk about the work that's being done that we all are doing or can do. What are the efforts that the party's doing to continue to get that vote out for the primaries and also in the general? 
So Precious, when I was elected state party chair, I part of my platform was making sure that we had a year-round organizing program. We would always hear, oh, this year we're going to start our program a little early, earlier. Let's start in August this year instead of after Labor Day. Let's start during the summer. And I was like, well, I have a novel idea. What if we never stop? What if we continue to organize year round and people see you and connect you to the issues that they care about on a year round basis, connecting the legislature to what is happening in their everyday lives, connecting what is happening in Congress to your everyday lives. So, Precious, we haven't stopped organizing. We are calling and texting voters, communicating in every way possible to make sure that we maintain a strong voter turnout. Voter protection is also a huge part of the get out to vote strategy. So we're going to continue our massive efforts across the state to make sure that Georgia voters know what has changed in this SB 202, which I call Jim Crow 2.0. And they need to know where, when, and how they can cast a ballot under this new law. So that has been at the forefront of what we've been doing. And we just haven't stopped. This is awesome. So awesome. Um, You've already touched on the bill leading the way in voter suppression. What are some of the other challenges that you all are facing there in Georgia, getting the voters ready to go? So I think like like not even just touching on the bill, but like just even more about what we're up against when it comes to voter suppression, Republicans have literally thrown every suppressive measure that they can think of into the mix of our election cycle. And we are in the midst of a legislative session right now. And so they've already started with this legislative session introducing voter suppression bills. So they've changed the timeline for absentee voting to make it shorter. They've made it harder to vote absentee. They've restricted the number of drop boxes. They've also made drop boxes only available between the hours of 9 a.m. and 5 p.m. And I don't know about you, but you probably need the most after 5 p.m. So they're not available on the weekend. They're And they're inside of the buildings now. So they're not available outside of the building. And I know when I talk to my constituents, especially parents who I, when I pick Carter up from school and he wants to get home and get a snack because I don't know what they do at schools, but like that appetite gets on like a 10 every day and I'm trying to get him, get him settled. And I might want to just drive up and drop my ballot off like you do at the post office. Imagine that, that drop box is secure and I can drop my mail off at the post office and keep it moving. I don't have to get out and go inside or take him out of a car seat, but that's what you have to do now with drop boxes in Georgia. Get out of the car, go inside the building, and make sure you get there before five o'clock because that's the cutoff time. I mean, everything that you can think of. And then if you look at our um, runoff election process, how we were able to say if you didn't vote in November, You can make sure that you register to vote and you can register for the January runoff. They've stopped voter registration during the runoff period. So you can no longer register to vote in the interim. They've also shortened the runoff period because they're like, well, maybe we gave them Democrats a little too much time to get their people back out to the polls. So that period has been reduced for the time frame for the runoff election. But What I do know is that Georgia is the cradle of the civil rights movement. I represent the district in Congress that was held by John Lewis. And so what I know is that Georgians are resilient. 
We're determined, and this isn't our first rodeo at voter suppression. So we are not stopping. We are not letting them get us off track. We are continuing to do the work to make sure that people understand what's at stake. They understand what this new law means. And so it means we're going to have to expand our team because these are things that the Secretary of State should be doing telling people what the new law is and how they should vote. Our goal should always be to make it easier for people to vote, not harder, but that's not happening here. So we're doing the work for them because we know that Georgia Democrats are going to continue to deliver because people are counting on us for their very lives. Incredible. Uh, As you were talking, I was just hearing like a teacher from high school saying, Jesus, take the wheel. But we know John Lewis, the spirit, the energy, the Democratic Party, your leadership, you all have got this and we are fired up. Thank you so much for so much critical and important information. Uh, So now I want to pivot a little bit, kind of touching back on how we outside of Georgia and within Georgia can get involved. But I want to make sure everyone has some dates. So when are the primaries kicking off? May 24th. So our qualifying is in March, but May 24th is our primary election date. And that is when we will know who our ticket is for the Democratic Party, because we have a competitive primary and people are stepping up to run all across the state. And on May 24th, we will have our ticket solidified with our primary elections. Excellent. And I just have to just because we're almost out of time, but I just want to say thank you again. It is wonderful to feel this palpable energy from you and know that it is representative of what's happening on the ground in Georgia. So everyone, again, tell them what they can do to get involved now or later to help out with these key races. What do you need from us? So we need you to stay in touch. We need you to follow us on social media. And our Twitter handle is at Georgia Democrat. Y'all know S, just like it's one of us, but it's a whole lot of us. (laughs) But at Georgia Democrat. And then follow us on our website. Sign up for our email list because that is how we get information out about volunteer opportunities, about opportunities for people to come into the state. So following us on social media and signing up for our email list on our website, we're going to need all hands on deck. So if you have one volunteer shift to give, we'll take it. If you have 10, we'll take it. We got to use the buddy system and bring some, bring each one, bring one and bring people into the fold because there is so much on the line this year. Yes. And everyone, don't forget, if you got a penny, if you got a dollar, drop it in. We'll drop the link again for donations to the state party. And we just have a couple of minutes left, Nikima. You've answered all my questions and touched on everything everyone's talking about in the chat. So my last question to you is, what is your, what's giving you the hope, the energy to push through all of this? Because you, you're like a video game having to battle back and forth, all these different attacks and just ridiculousness. So what is keeping you going? So I, I, honestly look at what happened during the civil rights movement. And I fully understand that this is our civil rights movement. So if you ever wondered what you would have done during the civil rights movement, if you're one of those people that say, well, that doesn't matter. That was so long ago. I wasn't born. I wasn't alive. Well, y'all, I wasn't either. 
But I understand that this is our civil rights movement, Precious. So if you ever wonder what you would have done, it's what you're doing right now in this moment to fight for our democracy. So that's what keeps me going because I know that future generations are counting on what I do in this moment. And I have a six-year-old son who I want, he's my Carter Cakes. He, <laughs> we work each other's nerves because he has his mama's whole personality and we go, but he is, the future is his. And I, so I know that raising a little black boy in the South, that there is so much at stake. And so I'm willing to fight for his future. Awesome. Representative Nakima Williams, thank you so much. Everyone, I know you all agree this was powerful and amazing, and we got it done in half an hour. So thank you all so much for joining us. As always, we will be sending out the notice, the document summarizing what you learned today, but make sure you sign up to volunteer, to donate, and also make sure you join us on Thursday for the next installment in our series when we're talking with State Party Chair from the state of Wisconsin, Ben Wickler. We're so excited. Thank you all for your ongoing support of Manny's. If you're not already on our mailing list, make sure you fix that. Welcome to Manny's.com. If you're interested in becoming a sponsor to support us as we do more of this work, we'll also have that information in the chat. Everyone, thank you all so much. I, we have known each other for a number of years. So I'm like, Nikima, thank you, girl. Oh. What an honor. Georgia is in good hands because they are in your hands. So thank you so much. Thank All right, you. everyone. Take care.